0: Welcome to On The Mission, a podcast of the Upper New York Conference of the United Methodist Church, offered to resource leaders so that they can take the next faithful steps in being on the mission of the church. My name is Aaron Bowens, and I serve as your host for this six weeks journey through being on the mission and understanding that we are better together. We live in a time when the difference between us is often highlighted more than anything else. To say we live in a world that feels divided is no real shock to most. Yet, we are called by God to live in unity. Unity is a word that can often be used without gaining clarity as to its meaning. Merriam-Webster offers us some, some thoughts, including the quality or state of being not multiple, or the condition of harmony. Also offered is the quality or state of being made one. These are helpful to get started. However, the follower of Jesus is invited deeper. Over the next few weeks, we will be exploring the call to and the practice of Christian unity. This week, our guests are Georgia Whitney and Scott Johnson, co conveners of the Conference Commission on Race and Religion in the Upper New York Conference of the United Methodist Church. Welcome, Georgia and Scott invite you to please uh, each take a few moments to introduce yourselves.
1: Well, my name is uh, Scott Johnson. Uh, Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate the invitation to be here. Um, I serve as lead pastor at Pendleton Center United Methodist Church, and I'm coordinating pastor at the First United Methodist Church of Buffalo, and it's a thrill to be on this conversation.
0: Great. Glad to have you.
2: And I'm Georgia Whitney. Uh, I live in Jamestown, New York. I'm laity. I'm the spouse of a pastor. Uh, I've been involved in CORE for about six years, and I make my living when I'm not doing CORE. I make my living as a writer.
0: It is great to have both of you with us and and to share in this journey. Over the the last little bit, we've been talking about how followers of Jesus are called to unity, and we're called to receive the unity that God has for us. And this week, we're exploring unity in the church. So I'm going to invite you to, to talk with us a little bit about how this this conversation on unity in the church is important to you and how you think it's important to the church.
2: Um, This is really important because to me, the things that unite us are so much more vital than the things that we think separate us. And the things that unite us, there are two basic commandments, love God, love each other. Jesus didn't say this is nice to do. He commanded us to do it. And as we love God and we love our fellow human beings, in particular, we love our siblings in Christ. And so this becomes a defining characteristic of the church. And if you think about what that means, it means that the church is to be the embodiment of God's perfect love for us. And then the commandment means that our neighbors, our our members must have a reciprocal love for and delight with each other. We can't love one another without being in relationship. Otherwise, we're just talking about theories. And theories aren't commandments, and commandments require actions. And there's the rub. When we talk about loving all our siblings, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, or it can be. You know, there's some people who, of course, it's very easy for me to love and to care about and to be in relationship with because they're like me or they like me or we have a lot in common. But I do have trouble loving all my siblings. And to do that truly requires suspending my ego and living in the world of what I think of as the other. Loving Jesus is easy, but loving Jesus, not so much. God doesn't want us to run away from hard things, though. And so that means we stay in relationship with each other. We hang in there and we talk and we wrestle and we cry. And maybe we make a mess of things, but we don't give up because that's what God's commanded us to do. And for me personally, that means that I pray every morning for God to help me get out of God's way. And if I'm getting my knickers in a twist and get judgmental about somebody's foibles, I just need to take take a minute and give that crazy thinking to God. And what does God say to me in scripture? In global terms, God says, relax. I got this. This is my battle, and I'll handle it. And with God's help, to coin a phrase, I pray that I can go on to perfection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's so good that the essentials of of love and and you, you highlight that, at least the challenge for me of of loving folks that that are that are sometimes hard to love. You know, it, yeah. it's there, there are some folks in life that are are super easy to love, but we don't get to exempt those that are a little more challenging for us to love. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, if I would do, build on what George has already shared, I think especially in our ministry on religion and race, I think the challenge is as we move past individual relationships we know how individual biases prejudices individual failures to love each other have been twisted into systems socially Mm -hmm. and so when we think of not only those individual ways in which we can wound one another individual ways in which we have decided that you know what this group or this person I'm going to keep at a distance or I'm not gonna live into my best loving relationship, then we have to confront the social systems that we are currently dealing with. Um, We know that there are too many institutions in our society. We know that there's too much in our history that shows us that we have failed to love in real ways. Not only have we failed to love, but we have actually created systems of dominance and oppression that have to be broken. And if we are going to live into the love we profess, we have to confront and dismantle those systems. And you know, I think that's the greatest challenge for a lot of us is because as we deal with the tangible that is right in front of us, if we deal with the individuals right in front of us, we can point to ways in which maybe an individual incident or something was not resolved well or was resolved well, but we don't deal with a system that empowers certain types of behaviors. So if we say a teacher was unfair to a young African-American student in her class and something is done to discipline the teacher, but we don't talk about a system in which those types of incidents are occurring regularly. We don't talk about a system that lets that individual teacher think that doing these types of things is acceptable and how it was able to get to this point. And so if we're going to address these things in meaningful ways so that the love we profess is real, um, we have to make sure we don't lose sight of the things that are close So we can deal with the things that are structural institutional and sometimes further away Um, when we talk about unity in the church the challenge for us is to make sure that that is where our focus is you know that the love that we profess as followers of jesus is what's sent to the world seen by the world and lived in the world in this way um, you know, we have spent so much time in our denomination arguing about things that aren't as important as that. Right. And so if we can, it will always be messy. I think we can all agree with that. There will always be some mess in how human beings relate to one another. But You know, if we can look at something as obvious as policies that disempower, policies that oppress, and say, you know, we have to be the body of Christ in the face of this, Um, you wouldn't think unity would be that hard, but there's so much about which we are clouded and we disagree that um, in some ways that's the crux of the work. Um, so hopefully we are able to get there as a body
0: yeah yeah no I, I i like how you you brought together you know there's that individual sense of of how am i i'm looking at it but then that that corporate sense that that builds the systems right that that oftentimes uh I'm I'm willing to be a little charitable and say oftentimes those systems don't even realize the the bias they're they're portraying. Now sometimes they clearly do and they've been designed to do so. Um, but I wonder if in the life of the church especially um we've just we've gotten into a system that we don't even realize that we've created uh, that that creates those barriers and biases that that really go against I mean G- Jesus uh was often criticized um for with whom he offered grace and with whom he spent his time with so no i I think that's right i think bringing those things and and that tension and it's not just sitting there saying let's be one as the church so that we can show the world we're one it's let's be one as the church so that we can you know just work out in action unity with with all of creation well, as as we're wrestling with this, you know, we, we do this not just out of uh, uh, of textbooks and sociology books with those tremendously helpful. Um, we have another book in the church that we give uh, most attention to, right? So, so as you think about scripturally, you know, what are, what are some scripture passages that inform for you uh, this importance of unity in the church?
1: You know, Aaron, I really want to uh, jump right in after that because you you are speaking almost directly to the past, one of the two passages I wanted to reference. And I go to Jesus prayer in John 17, in terms of thinking about unity, um, particularly verses um, 20 through 23, and where he shifts away from the disciples in his immediate presence to the future church And when I think of that, that really informs this conversation for me. So I'd like to share it. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And I think a couple of those pieces jump out for me in terms of the unity that Jesus is praying for. That one, it's anchored in him and in the father. And I think that's very powerful. That, you know, similarly to what we've been sharing all along, that while we talk, um, and I think you were just alluding to this in your previous comment, about the idea that, you know, we we can talk about doctrine and we can talk about polity, but what's really the source of our unity is Jesus and the spirit. Mm -hmm. And when we lean into that, when we rest in that, that speaks for itself and shines through. Not only does that shine through, it shines through, as Jesus is saying here, through their message, through the way we behave in the world. Does the world see a body that um, looks like the Jesus that we profess? Does the world see people who care about those who are going without? Does the world see about see a body that is doing things to help those who do not have enough? Does the world see people who are concerned with healing and feeding and setting free um and or are they seeing people who are bickering around the wrong things or more concerned with infighting and you know the other types of things we can fall into as the church uh rather than the work in the world the work in our communities and so when i think about unity um that one speaks particularly particularly to me. Um, I also think of unity um, as we build a world of love and justice, um, especially around the ministry of CORE. That uh, passage that always jumps out to me is 1 John 4, uh, 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whenever Whoever claims to love God and hates a brother or sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That speaks not only to the ways in which we treat each other as disciples of Jesus, but how we treat all children of God. And so when we talk about Unity. You would think that it would not be hard for us to be unified around that.
0: Yeah, you you would think it would it would look different than it does, but uh, I think we have plenty of evidence that, that that's a challenge for us sometimes. Um, but it's it's certainly a convicting thought to think about. You know, if the world as the world looks at the church today, um, you know, are they seeing that that church that has this love that that is given by God and and then extended to to everybody are we one as as jesus is is one with the creator yeah that's thanks scott that's uh that's going to give me plenty to think about here for for a while um, uh, of that example that we have uh, how about you georgia so
2: the biggie for me was first corinthians 12 12 through 27 and i'm not going to go through the whole the whole 15 verses but the overall The overall piece of that is Paul making an illustration around the human body as the body of Christ for the Church of Corinth, right? And they're both the body of Christ together as a group, but they're individual members of the body of Christ as well. And again, if you think of the body, you can certainly extrapolate and think of systems and institutions, right? You go a little bit further back. Paul talks about the diverse members of the church and how they must work together according to their design rules in order for the body to function. It's good for the body and it's good for the individual members, okay? One of the key points to me in this whole passage is that if you're willing to set aside your arrogance about not needing other members of the body of Christ, then you're gonna have the opportunity to thrive and to come together to become the church That god really intends for the church to be so if i sort of drill down into that passage a little bit more i come to verses 26 and 27 right and these verses say if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you are the body of christ and each one of you is part of it so you know We've got the physical body and the body of Christ metaphor here, and it's such a great analogy because sure enough, if some part of our human body gets sick, then chances are there are other parts of our human body that are not going to feel that great either. Then when that piece of the body starts to return to health, the entire body gets healthier and happier too. And if you look at the body of Christ, each one of us comes to it with these wonderful, unique gifts and graces that are supposed to be a part of the church. And these gifts and graces have got to be nurtured and supported as we go through our Christian walk. None of us is gonna do this perfectly. We're not perfect, we're all sinners. And if you start to exclude someone because of a perceived deficit, that means you exclude the person's gifts as well. And I keep coming back to this image as I was thinking about this passage of a stained glass window. And you think about how it's created from all these disparate pieces of glass. They're all different shapes, all different sizes, all different colors. Then the artist, God in this case, comes together and works on it and creates this masterpiece. It's this incredible thing of beauty.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all comes together, right? I, I love how you say mm-hmm. it's not not only the the. Person that we're we're excluding, which that that in and of itself is enough of a problem. but We're also excluding their gifts. We're, we're excluding what what they have to offer to to God through the church, and I think that's that's a an important image for us to, to really wrestle with of looking at that. And and both of you offer this reminder that you know when when we love as as God has shown us love in in Christ Jesus, when we loved to see the person and allow room for for them and their gifts at the table, uh, we truly do t- start to see that, that we're better together, that, that we are uh, designed for this kind of unity in the church. Uh, so we're kind of moving to the home stretch here, and, and one of the things that we want to do is as we wrap up our time together is, is leave space uh, for, for you to offer uh, your prayers or our prayers together uh, for unity in the church. So I know, Georgia, you came uh, pretty ready to do that. So and I'm I don't I'm sure Scott has as well, but we'll invite you to, to lead us. And if we end up with two or three prayers, that's okay. Um we we need all the prayer time together that we can have.
2: Okay. Well, so there's one that's kind of general to talking about talking about when one of us is suffered, we're all diminished. And there's one that I say every morning because I need the reminder. Okay.
0: All right.
2: So the first one is is goes like this. God, help us to remember that when one of us is suffering, we are all diminished. Give us the courage to work with you to overcome the pain of disunity in the world and in our church, no matter what the source. Let us love as authentically and totally as you do, showing grace towards all. Amen. So that's the first one. And then the second one is, again, my reminder every morning. Uh, that I need to get out of the way and let God work through me. And here's how it goes. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them would bear witness to those I would help, of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will today. Amen.
0: Scott, I don't know if not required, but I don't know if you have a prayer that you want to offer.
1: Well, I I would be willing to offer a prayer for certain things. I did not have a prepared um, prayer, but you know, as we consider where we are, especially coming on uh, as we sit and create this uh, recording today, Black History Month has just ended, and I'm particularly mindful of conversations around. Um, trying to, the ways in which people may have missed the significance or are still debating why we need to care about um, these celebrations and unearthing these stories. So I would like to offer a prayer that's related to the idea of welcoming voices and finding those lost stories.
0: Great, thank you.
1: Almighty and gracious God, There are so many who have been willing to turn away from the truths that we have walked together as a people, that hearing the perspectives of another, to note the joy of others, to note the history we have walked is key to recognizing who we are as a people, to recognize the ways in which justice can only be built and built well when we recognize the depths through which we have walked. Lord God, for those who would like to leave some of those voices unheard, for those who would like to leave some of those stories unheard, help us to open our ears to all those voices. Help us to remember that the beloved community we seek is only possible when community is real, when all are at the table, when all voices are heard, and when all are lifted up appropriately so that we know how far we have come on this journey and that we know the wounds that some carry, but we can then often heal. We can offer the love that each of us needs and each of us brings, and that we can indeed celebrate where we are, where we need to go, and who you are in us who you are among us, the ways in which you have revealed yourself through the many faces of all your children, the ways you have shown us that grace is big enough to come through all of these places, that love is real enough to overcome what we have made. But we must be honest, we must be true, and we must know the story so that we can go into its next chapter with you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you both for for the time and and jumping in on this conversation. Uh, There is so much to celebrate about the journey that we've been on and, and the movement that we've seen towards receiving God's unity, yet we're knowledgeable that there is more work to be done. Uh, we We are yet to fully realize and and rec- and and have recognized in us the embodiment of of God and the love that God has for us for the world. So thank you for for deepening our conversation and and at least for me, I'll say for stirring uh, what's going to spend an evening here of of deeper thought of of what you've shared with us. So thank you both for your time and for joining in with us. Thank you. <laughs>